Welcome to your Direction Not Perfection bonus episode. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, and author. For the past two years, it has been my pleasure to produce podcasts filled with information, success stories, and interviews designed to change the culture of health and fitness. I want to help individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life, change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets, and believe in the individualized journey. I am so excited to announce that your Direction Not Perfection podcast is expanding into bonus episodes. Episode content and listener exposure continues to be my driving force of motivation. If we don't know what's available to us professionally, We may feel limited in our solutions for change, health changes, life changes, career changes, you name it. There will be experts waiting for you to pour their love and wisdom over our community to make sure that we are forever learning and becoming the best versions of ourselves. My clients always say, I know what to do, I just need to do it. But let me leave you with this Chinese proverb, to know and not do is to not know. If this holds true, we should all be forever students and place the highest value on continued learning. Bonus episodes are where it's at. Let's get this interview started. So excited to introduce everyone today to Nicole Leno, a startup founder, brand strategist, peak performance coach, Reiki master, and the host of Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. I was just uh, off air saying it's Monday. We both just got back from holiday break and it was so nice to know I had you today that we just get to kick back, (laughs) enjoy a fun conversation and and enroll with it. So welcome. I'm going to shush you talk where and how have you gotten to where you are today? Okay. Well, thank you so much for for having me. This is a a wonderful way to kick off like the post holiday, the the kick off the holiday season. Um, How did I get here? So there's like a long and windy road that I will shorten as best I can for everybody. But I had this kind of and, and I, I, the reason I tell the story this way is because I think that people think that they have to have this really clear linear path. And I think that your show, what, what you speak to is, no, it doesn't have to be that direction, not perfection, um, that that your direction doesn't have to be this straight line from, you know, where you always knew you would go and where you are. And if you veer off of it, you make that mean something about you. Um, I did that for a long time. I made it all mean something about me. I've looked outside of myself and every turn that I made, I, whatever felt right, I would make that turn, but then I would question it because I'd be like, was this the right thing to do? What are people thinking of me? So I started out um, very aligned where, you know, I was a shy kid, but I, I found kind of myself in acting. I found myself in acting and storytelling and fantasy worlds and becoming these different sides of myself and exploring those sides of myself. And I loved what I loved about acting was it's the, it's the study of human behavior and what, what makes us tick. That's really what it's about. So I dove into that world and I loved it. And then as I did that as a teenager, I did that as a kid. And then, you know, and then I, I was doing that as a young adult and, you know, as young adults do, when you're acting, you run out of money. I was in New York city. I grew up outside of New York city. So I was, I was trying to work as an actor and, you know, you got to find something else to do. So I was tempting because I'm also really like smart and analytical and organized, and I could do assistant work in my sleep. And that was, 
so much more. I had waitressed for a long time and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. What else can I do? So I got temp work on Wall Street was where they needed help. And I was getting lots and lots of work there. And I loved it. It was this great, like great money, easy for me. And it used these other skills that, you know, didn't necessarily get used in my day-to-day acting world. Um, got the, and I, I ended up at a firm on wall street. I was there for like three months, a three month assignment. And they were like, Hey, why don't you stay? You're doing really well here. You know, just, well, let's extend your, your, your contract. And I was like, ah, you know, okay. Like I'll do another month. I'll do another month. I'll do another month. Finally, my boss was just like, you should just stay like, you're awesome here. We love you. Like here, let me put together a package. And I ended up taking that, you know, I said no for a long time. And then I was like, you know what? Health insurance would be nice. (laughs) And the, the, the lure of security kind of pulled me in and long story short, wall street was actually a really wonderful experience for me. Whatever people think of it. I had a great experience there. I climbed the corporate ladder. I learned a lot about that other side of myself and that I could be great at all of these other things, really, really good at it. But I burned out and it was not where I was. It was not where I belonged. It was definitely there for security. It served its purpose. I was there probably, but I think about two to three years too long. I overstayed my welcome and I went into a, like a clinical depression and I sat there and I said, you know, what's next for me? I know that I know that this depression serves a purpose. I know that this depression is serving me in some way that there's actually, this is a good thing. And it was, it was the path out. It was, it was the, it was my body telling me no more, no more of this. Mm -hmm. And I left and I went off and luckily I looked at my husband and I said, I'd like to leave this six figure career and this fancy job and all of that. And I'd like to move back to, I'd like to move to Los Angeles and try acting again. Cause it's the only thing that I know feels like me and I need to find me again. Cause I really felt disconnected from myself. And luckily for me, he said, yes, he was like, yeah, let's do it. And we went on a road trip. We went, moved out to LA and I started acting again. And that's where Almost instantly, I got the idea for my software and that sort of, that was the beginning of merging the two sides of me, the creative side and this analytical business-minded side. And that was the start. That was like the spark to say, these sides can coexist. Everything in me belongs on this journey, not just some of it. Because when I went back to acting, it was like, don't tell anybody that you worked on Wall Street because you won't fit in. When I worked on Wall Street, I was like, don't tell anyone you were an actor, you won't fit in. And that was that was always the story. I was trying to fit whatever that world seemed to accept of me, rather than realizing that if I accept myself, then the world will as well. And that's when things will open up for me. So, and that's when they did. The software company evolved into my coaching business because I started working with people just to try to get them to use my software. And suddenly they're like, I, you know, they don't know how to run a business. And I started to work with them on that. And that kind of organically unfolded into what I do now. And really what I do is I help people find their way. That's really, it's, I do it through business. I do it through them, through the entrepreneurial journey, but it's really about unlocking the pieces of you that have kept you from moving forward on the soul's path, on the thing that you, what you really know is your calling. But when we find that we don't have the courage to take the next step and we don't know why, that's what I help with. And that's been like, that's my life's mission is just helping people decode their code so that they can move forward in alignment. Because when alignment happens, everything just starts to work. Thank you so much for telling us the whole story, because 
I feel like listeners could really connect with all the different points that could have easily been your stopping points, your barriers. And I would like for you to even revisit the story you were telling yourself of like, maybe why, and you shouldn't move on to that next. Like, I'm sure that telling your husband, you want to quit your job and move cities and do something else could have been this huge, nope, not happening type of a barrier. Do you feel like when was that? It was very wise of you to know that out of alignment meant I'm like depression. It meant this isn't going to go well for me in the end where I feel like a lot of people live in that non-alignment for too long and never really can connect those dots. When was kind of your light bulb moment besides just knowing you had overspent your time in corporate world, but like, did you, did you have a aha or was it slow growing? It was definitely slow. It's why I was there for years beyond the time that I think I should have left. I think that the whisper started about two to three years before that saying, this isn't right for you. You should get out. (laughs) And I was like, no, I have bills to pay. I have like, I built a world around this salary and around this life. And how could I possibly get out? And I didn't listen. And then, you know, eventually your body will take you down. Something will. You will either listen to the intuitive hits and nudges that you're getting to start moving in another direction, or you'll get sick or something will happen Mm -hmm. and manifests in another way. We are manifesting our life and our world all the time. That was what I manifested. I ignored the signs that I was getting that were subtle. That would have made it very an easy transition if I had listened then. I mean, we never know what the future will hold, but but it wouldn't have gone into a depression. Um, and the depression came after not listening, but I did get help. So to the company's credit, the company had these wonderful like resources for us. And a friend of mine, I was talking to her and she was like, you should go talk to this woman in this department. Um, I had the same thing. And she got me like hooked up with a shrink and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. And I booked an appointment very easily with on the intranet and made an appointment with her. And she was like, what you're describing is clinical depression. Um, I have somebody that I think would be great for you here. And like they concierge me in with a shrink. Not everybody has access to that, but that'd be the first thing is get help. If you're not feeling well, what I, what I realized, and this is a story that I've told before, but, um, you know, one moment that I remember was a big turning point for me was I was standing on, in this big glass building, this brand new, beautiful glass building in my Louboutin shoes, in my like theory suit. Like I had all of the things that people seem to want. And I'm standing next to one of the floor to ceiling glass windows. I'm leaning on it. It's the middle of the day. I feel empty inside and I'm looking down from the sixth floor of my, of my office building where I sat and I'm looking down and I remember thinking to myself, watching all the people on West street below go, look at all the free people down there. And that was how I felt. I felt trapped in my life. And that was a moment. Like I remember it clear as day I'm standing there that I said this, something has to change. I can't do this anymore. And it was definitely work-related. It was, you know, on days that I didn't work, I didn't feel like that. On days that I worked, I felt it like a like a weight of the world on me. Come out of the subway, see the building in the distance. And I could feel it as I got closer, the doom feeling just built and built. And I paid attention to that. I think I've always been pretty in tune with the way that I felt. So I did pay attention to know, like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. But it had gotten to a point where it had gotten pretty bad. It gotten to the point where like, they were like, yeah, you check all of the boxes for depression. And when I was offered, like, there's two paths. When I got to the, to the, 
to the therapist, he was like, well, you can, we can go medication or we can go traditional therapy. Both options are open to you. What would you like? And I was like, no, I feel like there's something I should be present for in this. I, I, I'm not against it. Um, we'll leave it on the table if it comes up, but I feel like I can handle this. I feel, I feel like with help, I can handle it. Um, but I feel like I should be fully present for all the things that I feel during this, because there's something here for me. And I didn't know what it was, but I was just like, I don't want to numb myself was really the, I remember saying those words to him. So that was really getting help though, is the, the first thing I wouldn't have been able to make those decisions on my own because I wouldn't have been able to sort through my thoughts. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to see what was real and what was a story I was laying over things. I wasn't able, I wouldn't have been able to unpack a lot of the things from my past that were contributing to all the things that I was experiencing then. Cause like I said, we manifest our world with our thoughts, with our feelings. If we are feeling things that are associated with stuff that we grew up with conditioning that we had from the past. And then plus we're looking at the world and saying, what, what is this world demanding of me rather than saying, this is what I want. This is who I am. And I'm going to stand in that power. As long as we're doing that, we are going to pull out those things, things that are in alignment with that into our reality. That is what manifestation is. Mm, which is so real. And what I feel like manifestation gets this opposite view from the world that a lot of people, you and I were kind of talking about this, but the whole woo woo, the woo, Mm -hmm. um, where you don't have to look at it that way. It doesn't have to be something that's so non-tangible. And so like, you're just believing in something it's real. Your description of it is it's very tangible. It, it really is. And that's like, that's what I say all the time. I say like, I demystify the mystical because it doesn't, it, it is very much about our, our thoughts create our feelings. They trigger our feelings, our feelings dictate what we are able and willing to act on. And those actions determine the results that we get in our lives. So it's very much tied to the way you feel. If you have, if you have a feeling about, so I teach entrepreneurs, I I work with entrepreneurs. So one of the things that people say all the time, I don't want to feel salesy. I don't, I don't, I don't like selling. I'm not good at sales. And that's pretty, a, a pretty important skill to have if you plan on being an entrepreneur and, and selling, you know, your, your services and your, your products. So it's something that we work on, but that's a feeling that you have about sales. And what does that do? So why do you, why am I procrastinating on putting my offers out there? Some of the things that people come to me, I don't know why I can't write this email. I don't know why I can't do this thing. Well, it's because your subconscious is actually holding you back from it because of the beliefs that you have about sales. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the tangible way that these things are working, how your mind is keeping you from doing things that will ultimately get you what you want. That's why you could learn all the sales skills and scripts and take all the programs and do all the things. But if you can't put them into action, like I always say that your brain and your, your energy is your operating system. So just like you have on a computer or on your phone, if you're running, you know, 18 versions back of your iOS, then when you go to download that new app, that looks so awesome then it's probably not going to work or it's going to have a lot of bugs or you're going, it's going to move slow and it's going to crash. And it's going to, that's the same thing with you and the way that you operate. 
So when we want to live a different life, when we want to actually change who we are, we think about, when we think about manifestation, people just have these, this vision of like drum circles and people naked mm-hmm. on the beach or something. And <laughs> it, it, it's, it's actually quite unsexy. It's very much about like looking at your shadow and looking at the things that you don't really want to look at and clearing and making peace with all of that. I, I say to my clients all the time, the goal isn't perfection. The goal is wholeness that when you can accept all of you and love all of you. Now that doesn't mean despite these things, it means loving those things. If you can't love your anger, then you can't, then you can't truly appreciate your joy. Great. Those are, these are, they're, they're flip sides of the same coin. And if you can't experience the depths of your sadness, then you can't experience the heights of your joy. That is how it works. So, so a lot of the work that we do in, in, with my business coaching clients is it's, and, and honestly, the more money they make and the more advanced that they are, the less it becomes. I don't really teach them anything about business when they get to a certain level. It's all about their mind. It's all about their energy. It's all about what is it that's keeping me from being able to reach this next level. So let's segue into that. So I think my listeners are pretty used to the term like limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and we hear that. And then how does one, what's some of your talk or examples with different clients of getting around limiting beliefs? If we're able to acknowledge, I know I have this one, but now I don't know what to do with it. I usually go, I have, I, I have a few certifications. These are things that help me kind of use a certain, like get their tools in my toolbox. I'm, I'm trained in neuro-linguistic programming, which is more belief clearing and how we speak to ourselves, reframing the way that we talk, things like that are very associated with NLP. And then I also use the rapid relief technique, which is emotional that it uses EFT tapping. If you've ever heard of tapping or the tapping solution um, that uses EFT to release emotions and limiting beliefs they get a lot of play, but it's actually, it is much more about the emotion. If the emotion is tied because the emotion is like the glue that keeps things to you, that keeps these beliefs to you. So if I have a belief, like, um, I have to work hard for my money, a belief like that doesn't seem like it's terribly sinister because it's like, I'm willing to work hard. But what Mm -hmm. happens is then you get a client that pays you $5,000 for less work than you've ever done with someone who paid you, you know, you you know, a lot more. If, 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 if you're doing that, you're going to make, you're going to, I call it scope creep where you're going to make more work for yourself. You're going to make it harder. You're going to somehow make it where the amount of work you feel you need to do to deserve that client, to deserve, to deserve that much, that much money is going to increase. You're going to keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger. I did this. I had a client, I raised my rates. I put, I put out a new offer. Someone paid it. They were very happy with the service. They were super happy. I kept making it more work and I didn't know why. And I was like, I was, I I just kept making it. And then to the point where someone else contacted me about the offer and my husband was like, Oh, how's this thing going with the, with the, with these offers. And I said, yeah, someone else is is looking to do it. He's like, well, that's great. Right. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to do it. He's like, why wouldn't you do that? It sounds like it's an awesome offer and you get paid a lot of money. And I'm like, no, but it's become a lot more work and it's a lot of energy and it's a lot of this. And as I was talking to him, I was like, wait, let's keep talking about this. And I realized 
I had this belief and I was like, oh my God, I'm making it more work than it needs to be. I almost just talked myself out of like 15 grand. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how costly this belief was. So sometimes we know that we have the beliefs and with, with the emotional part, it's where did that come from? Where did it start? Can you think about it? Usually it comes from our parents, either what we saw or what we heard in our lives. And for me, that, that was, that was the, that was the example I had. My family worked hard. You worked for every, it was time for money. You didn't get money for anything that you did not put, you know, minutes and hours in for. Mm -hmm. And people who didn't work hard were seen as lazy or that they had the world handed to them. Mm -hmm. And my family had ideas about that. I think my father resented people like that. I would never want to be someone that my dad resented. Right. So if you can tie back and you can start thinking about these things, and this is where having someone objective, either a coach or a therapist or someone that can help you work through this stuff is really helpful because sometimes you, you, you can't see it right away, that there's a few layers deep of where these things come from. But that's a good example. Like I heard things from about, you know, my dad say things like, you know, I have people with money think they're better than everybody. Didn't work an honest day's work. They're above it. They think they're better than that. And I would never want my dad to look at me that way. And subconsciously we can have a need for, and I know I did for, you know, tribal acceptance. And one of the deepest survival things for us as humans is we don't want to be ostracized from the tribe. We want to be loved by the people who we love and we want to be accepted by them. And the thought of being, being pushed out is like death. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's the worst thing ever. So while, while we intellectually know that I don't need to work hard for that money, it creeps up and it shows up in different ways. So asking yourself, I know I have this belief. One question is how does this make me feel? what does this be belief make me feel or what don't I want to feel? So if I have a belief that sales are icky and I don't, I'm, I'm not good at sales and I don't like sales. Okay. Well, what does it make me feel? It makes me feel gross. What don't I want to feel? I don't want to feel like one of those people. I don't want to feel like one of those opportunists. I don't want to feel like, because then I think that people think I'm a bad person and I don't want people to think I'm a bad person. Now we're getting to something. Now we're getting to something where it's like, okay, well, where does that come from? And that's where, this is where I decide what tools are best, but like something like the, like the rapid relief technique where we use EFT, we can start pulling some of that emotion away because that emotional connection is what keeps the belief coming back. And then once you've gotten the emotional connection kind of loosened, then you can go and do something like with NFT, uh, NLP, or, you know, if you're just working yourself, you can journal on it to really dig through and reframe the stories around this stuff. So let's keep going on this exact same topic and, mm -hmm. and switch it over to, do you have a good example in the health world that could align with this same topic? So with health, I mean, yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that comes up and people that I've worked with are, and this sounds really counterintuitive, but, um, some people put on weight because it's security mm -hmm. that it's not actually, you know, and there's, there's lots of things, but there's, there's some people learn to cope. So my mother told me to clean my plate all the time. Like it was crazy. She was like a fanatic about it. You weren't allowed to get up 
we heard the things about starving children. She was always feeding us when we were sad. She made us eat. And that was always the answer we got. So now when I'm sad, I eat. Now when I'm uncomfortable, I eat. It's a coping mechanism and one where I don't even know it's happening. So that's an example. Another one with being, you know, putting on weight and not being able to lose weight is some women who have had had sexual trauma or have had unwanted advances or something they feel safer as they, as they put on weight, it is a way of not drawing in as much attention. So those are ways where we can, where we, where our mind is trying to keep us safe. It's always doing what it feels is best for us based on the rules that our mind has set up in the world has said like, okay, we've experienced these things. This didn't go well. Here's how we're not going to let that happen again. That's basically what your brain is doing all the time. And that's what your autonomic nervous system does. It takes things in that way. You know, like when you go to like pour a glass of water, you're not thinking, pick up the glass, pick up the water jug, pour (laughs) it. No, there's like an automatic program because you've done it so many times to make you efficient as a person. Um, the same thing is true with the way that you relate and interact with things, people, and situations in the world. So this would be, this bad thing happened. We looked too promiscuous. We looked too, we, we were drawing in too much attention. They told us we did. So how can we do that? Your brain will find ways to covertly keep you safe rather than making it this rather than making it like where it's telling you, let's put on weight so that we're not drawing in as much attention. No, it's not going to work like that. It's going to be more undercover. And the same thing is true with the coping mechanisms. Those were, this is how mom loves us. This is how we show her that, that we're listening to her and that we love her. And this is how we deal with things when, when we're in pain, this is, this is what's worked for us. So that's, those are some examples. Does that help? Those are fabulous examples. Yes. And I just want the listeners to hear it's like onion layer after onion layer. It's, it's a very, it's, it is a process and, and it is so extremely helpful to have coach therapist, other individuals who are trained in these areas to help us peel back those onion layers so that we're not, cause I think a lot of people can say, well, maybe not a lot. I think there are some who absolutely know what is their limiting belief and what is holding them up, but really don't know how to get to that next step where I'm like, oh, a coach, can you imagine if they got to work with you, work with me that we get to do that with them. And same thing. I love therapists. I feel like we all should have had that as part of our, as our degree, but it's a tangible, like there are, we're out there. Coaches are out there. And if, and if you're having that feeling of, I, I, I'm just frustrated. I'm stuck. I don't know how to take that next step that I really encourage. And I know you do as well. Like you might have to put a little money on the table and pay for someone to join you in your journey, because once you do, you will never look back. And do you feel that way too? I'm sure you've worked with coaches within all of your time. Do you still hold a coach? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll always have at least one 
um, the, the type of coaches that I've looked for has changed and evolved. I started out where, you know, you think you're filling a knowledge gap. So it's like, teach me these things, teach me these things. And then eventually you realize like, I don't really need to know anything more. I kind of need somebody to just help me sort through my stuff. Actually, if you started there with someone starts sorting you through your stuff, you'd probably, I would have moved further if I had yeah. started in that place rather than trying to sort that all through myself. But, um, but no, I, I will always have a coach and, and the, sometimes it's there, there's many roles that the coach plays. They play, they play your, your counsel. They also, they, they, a good coach will work as a mirror for you and, and hold it up and, and show you what it is that you can't see. And that's invaluable. And that, you know, one of my favorite things that I hear from, you know, when I, when I, get testimonials from my clients. They do them all independently, but this same theme comes up over and over again. And it like makes me want to cry where I've had so many people say, Nicole's changed my business, but it's not just that she's changed my life. My life with my family has gotten better with my husband, with my, my relationship with money. Like everything has just started to fall into place. And it's, and it's all from the inner work. Like they're different people when we're through. And that's, that, you know, yes, you have to lay out money, but this is, this is how you change generations because it's your kids that benefit. It's your family that benefits and you get to feel fulfilled in your life. I, you know, it, it, I, I gave up drinking and, and all of that. Like I have a glass of wine here and there, but I gave it up a couple of years ago. And cause literally like you get kind of high on life. Things feel good. Moving through life in alignment feels very, very different than when you're struggling and trying to pull yourself through the quicksand. Oh, that's so good. I always have my interviewed guests for some love on our listeners. If you had to tell them one thing and wrap your arms around them, but I feel like you just already said it. (laughs) It's so good. Um, Just kind of coming back to the point, I love that you mentioned this, that initially you felt like you were paying to fill a knowledge gap. Mm. And I think that that feels a lot better for most individuals because they feel like they're paying for something like I'm an accountability coach. And I think it's very hard for people to say, why do I have to pay for somebody to hold my feet to the fire? You know, like I can do this, but I'm not doing it. And that's like my clients always say, I know what to do. I just need to do it. And you're right. Like if we can get to that point and understanding that that is, it's going to expedite the process, but whatever makes you feel better in the beginning to fill a knowledge gap, if that ripples into the next phase and the next phase of where we get to, but I agree with you. I don't think it's ever like how you said your client's family's life change, all of it changes. It's because you can't just affect one piece and not see this glorious growth in all these other areas of life. Cause at that point you are changing, you are evolving. So thank you for pointing all of that out. I love this. What am I missing? What am I not asking? What are you not asking? You've asked great questions. I don't think there's anything you're not asking. I think that, that um, just one thing that I would add, I, one thing I say to everybody all of my clients, and this resonates a lot with people, is just if you can start exchanging uh, when you're in a challenging situation, if you can start exchanging your criticism of yourself with curiosity, mm. things will rapidly change for you. And that's just, that's the shift. But when you're talking about hiring an accountability coach, you know, you're an accountability coach. Why do I need someone to hold my feet to the fire? Because what I was just explaining before about how your brain is covertly keeping you safe 
you are not, even if you are aware of some of it, of some of those patterns, your brain is way better at, at pushing your buttons because it installed them. It is Mm -hmm. them. There is a part of your brain that is literally unconscious to you. And the only way to know, and this is why, like what I, what I work with is we look for the patterns. We look for the triggers. We look for the things that are, what are you, like, what can you look around your life and say, like, somebody else wouldn't have reacted like that. What triggers an emotion in you? Well, there, we just uncovered a button. That is something that when you have somebody who can be holding that mirror up to you and say, do you see this pattern? Do you see how you're doing this? And not just, did you do the thing, but have you noticed that this has been a pattern? Have you noticed that whenever you're going for this type of goal, you seem to find all of these other distractions? It's always these kind of distractions. Have you noticed that? It's very interesting stuff. And, and not just interesting from a like, oh, that's so interesting to know, like incredibly useful for you to know, because you have to know where you hide. So, you know, if you're running for a goal, we all have places that we will hide. Some of us, it's in housework. Some of us, it's in, you know, our kids and our families. And we fall into these, like putting everybody else first. Those are, I would say that there's four P's of staying stuck. There's perfectionism, playing small, people-pleasing, and uh, procrastination. Those are always at play when you're not moving in the direction that you want to fast enough. I guarantee you one of those four things, if not multiple (laughs) of them overlapping. And a lot of times those are, those are your go-tos. Those are, that's actually how you're living. If you want to change the outcomes in your life, you're going to have to change the patterns and it's very hard to see your own patterns. Mm -hmm. So that, that is where help comes in. That is where an objective person who's trained to see this type of stuff can be invaluable and so worth the investments that you make. What is one of your barriers that you see? Cause I can picture somebody even listening to this conversation, getting triggered, you know, that like, if they're so far from being able to say yes to help, cause it feels just call it cause it feels weak or it feels, you know, they come in with stigmas for therapists or whatnot. How does one even get to that point of, okay, I'm acknowledging something's triggering me, but you know, that next, what's the next baby step? Well, I think one thing that everybody needs to, to recognize, and even when people say yes, they sometimes haven't really made this choice either. And that's, you deserve help. You deserve Mm -hmm. it. You, whatever it is, whatever thoughts, I mean, well, first of all, if you're, if you're saying it's weak, if you're saying, I don't need this, if you're saying, um, I, a, a lot of women face this because they, they look at the dollar amount and maybe they're not the breadwinner in the family. So to have to go and ask permission from a spouse, that's what it feels like mm-hmm. that they have to show up and say, you know, I need money for this. And then their partner looks at them and says, why do you need that? Why do you need somebody to, to hold your hand? Why, you know, what's wrong with you? And I'm not saying that they're doing that in a judgmental way, but a lot of women get shut down with that. And, and first of all, like that's a, that's the shift right there is that you don't ask permission, you consult and you make the decision that you deserve it, that you need it. And you pass it through your own awareness and, and checking in with your own intuition to say, 
if you want something, pay attention to it. If there's a true desire in your heart to have help, to have a business, to have a, if you, to live a healthier life, if that true desire exists in you, then it's meant for you. So start there. And then the second thing is to say, I deserve it. If I desire it, I deserve it. And if I deserve it, then how can, how can I get it? How can I make this happen without forcing things? But it's standing in that power. If you can stand in that power for a moment, I remember making a $20,000 investment in coaching for myself. And I remember I consult my husband on big decisions like that, just because that feels like a, you know, the, the right thing to do. It's what feels good for me, but I make that decision first. I don't walk in there and be like, so I want to talk to you about this investment. I think I'm going to make, and I'm going to do no, because that's almost me looking for that's your subconscious looking for your way out because it's safer to stay where you are. It's always safer to stay where you are. Even if you're in a horrible, horrible place, it's why rock bottom makes people move because it scares them so much and there's nothing they can do, but change. <laughs> but as long as there's space where they feel like you feel like you can survive, your brain will keep you there because where you are, the known is safer than the unknown. Even if the unknown is exponentially better. Mm -hmm. Because that comes with other things that comes with more money, more problems that comes with more attention. And, and I can't handle it. That comes with people will judge me that comes with those are all the weird things that we don't think exist. Like, why would anyone be afraid of having more money? I don't know, ask a lottery winner that lo that loses it all. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is how you know, you might be able to get it, but you can't hold it. This is where your mind is doing that stuff for you. So recognizing that sitting in your power and saying what you, what you need. And when I was making that decision, I was just like, okay, let me go through this. Is this, is this what I desire? Do I feel like this will get me to my goals? Like asking real questions that aren't me filling holes in myself. And like, I need this in order to get to this next level. That's not the right energy to be in either. It should be, is this, I desire to be in this place. Will this person help me get there? Yes. Do I deserve this? If I desire it and it comes from a place of true desire, of course I deserve it. And I contribute to this family too. Just because I don't put money in the bank doesn't mean I don't contribute to this family. So I'm going to go and inform my spouse that this is what I would like to move forward with. And you will be very, very surprised that coming to the same person with the same offer in the energy of this is what I need. And I would like you to help me get there versus I wanted to ask your permission if I could do this mm -hmm. same offer, same thing, but different energy, you will get a very different response. So being in your power and being in your energy of it. When I did that with my husband, I was like, so here's the deal. Here's what I think. This is where I want to go. This, these are the facts and figures about this. This is where I feel like it can take me. Um, this is what it costs. I know it's a lot, but I'm worth it. Let's do this. Like I just, but I need you on board. I need you to partner with me on this because I'm going to need your help. This is what it's going to look like. And, you know, he was, to my surprise, he was like, all right, don't F it up. <laughs> ah. <laughs> And I didn't, but that was, that was a huge lesson for me in that informing. Cause that was the biggest investment I had made to date at that point. And having that conversation from that place was very different. So, so that I would say, recognize that you deserve it and sit with that as long as it takes for you to believe that fully. Right. 
Oh, you're so good at this, Nicole. I'm loving this because you're really hitting the the sensey spots, like where, yes, the the mention of husband and wife communication can be such. Uh, we all bring in our own baggage, you know, and and I can tell if I'm starting to get defensive really fast. It's normally because it's on my end. It's something that I'm not ready to do the commitment to your point of we're bringing in something we're looking for now we're doing. So there's all these little cues, but again, that we might not be super aware of unless we have that mirror of a coach sitting in front of us saying, why do you feel like you felt that way? And just walking us through those conversations. Um, Little triggers are the biggest things. Like I find socks on the floor and I get like ridiculously angry. And that's where you want to go with curiosity instead of criticism, instead of feeding your own anger, just say, why am I so upset over socks? What does this really say? And it's like, well, why do I have to keep picking up the socks? I've told him a, a million times that it bothers me. Why does it bother me so much? Because I feel like I need to do everything. Why does that bother me so much? Because I have so much to do and I have so much pressure and I'm so scared I can't make it happen that how could I possibly make it happen if I have to do everything like pick up the damn socks? That's where the whole oh, training so happens. Yes. And so so if you're stubbing your toe, if you're if you're forgetting things at the grocery store and having to make three trips, those are things you want to pay attention to. Yes. Can you keep going with a couple more of those examples? This is so good. (laughs) Putting you on the spot. I can tell for me, it's if I get angry at my kids like that, I know that it's, um, I, why am I not implementing more chores? Like it always comes down to, okay, that bare level of it's me. I'm not asking. And therefore the dumbest little thing makes me want to yell at them. And it's like, nope, always my fault. Like it always comes back to something that I could have implemented or done better, but it takes a lot. I love how you walked us through all the different steps that it took to get to that base root cause. Cause it's so true. Right. You want to look at it. You know, I've got big goals. How can I possibly think about running a seven figure business and, and doing that in the time period that I, I, I have in my mind when I got to pick up the socks. Yeah. And that's why the socks thing throws you off. And I mean, when your kids, when I have a four-year-old, when, when my son acts up, I'm, I'm actually very in tune with, they pick up our energy. So if he's crazy, if he's not acting right. And I I check in with myself and I say, how is this mirroring something that's happening in me? Where am I Mm -hmm. frustrated? Where am I feeling anger that I feel like I can't get out? And the weird, you, if you start doing that type of work, and that's where the, the tapping, the, the RRT really comes in, but I'll tap on the, the feelings that I'm having. And weirdly, when I clear them on myself, he ends up calming down. They, they mirror and pick up our energy so much that pay attention when they're acting out. It's go, go recognize they're a mirror and they're showing you something in yourself that you're not able to see. The universe is always showing us. We're asking for things. We're putting out energy. We're saying like, I want this life and saying, okay, if you really want it, you got to move these things out of the way before. Mm -hmm. And so, and a lot of times it's the beliefs. It's the, it's the, uh, Carl Jung says, when a situation is not made conscious, it appears outside as fate. So when you have something in you that you are not facing, so like my depression, And I wasn't facing the fact that I hated my job and I didn't want to be there anymore. And it felt like it was soul crushing and I didn't know who I was anymore. It appears outside as fate showed up as a depression. It showed up as something I couldn't ignore. It showed up in other ways that I did ignore. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger until it showed up as an actual brick wall. That was like, all right, 
you forced our hand. Here we are now deal with us. And that was why I said, I don't think I can, I can numb this. I think there is a, and I hadn't done any of this work at that point, but I believe that it was the start of this work for me. Right. And just that belief of that led to the next door that opened, led to the next door that opened, but you had to keep walking through it. Steps <sighs> made so- in faith and alignment lead to the life that you want. It may not happen right away, but that is when the steps get easier. That is when that you feel really supported by life instead of the other way around. And that, mm-hmm. that's just something that, you know, you'll hear people say, and you think that it's lip service and, and until you experience it mm-hmm. and you start taking those steps consistently. I a hundred percent agree. And I know our listeners are at this point, loving you where are all the places they can find you. Well, they can listen to my podcast. I, I, you know, it's a, it's a business podcast, but it's the limitless entrepreneur. We talk about lots of this stuff. It, you know, business is very rarely just about business. It's usually about us um, and the operator of the business. I'm, I'm also on Instagram at Nicole Lano official. And then my website is Nicole You can come check out all of my stuff over there and, and certainly send me a DM or reach out to me. I would love to hear from you guys and love to know what you hear about the, what you think about the episode. You are wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This was a blast. I so appreciate you having me. Thank you for joining me today. This topic served any purpose for you or you can picture that exact person who needed this. I'm always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2022 the year that we are going to pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also always appreciate it when you leave a review on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open-minded to new information, keeping that open mind to the idea that our journey will look different now, five years from now, slow and steady, y'all. It's not always instant gratification and not always that exciting, but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all the years and every season of life. Cheers to health and happiness.